Weekly News by iGaming Next is brought to you by Playson, quality games since 2012. This episode is sponsored by Zimpler. <clears throat> so today it seems like there is no video, so we are starting from scratch. Uh, I'll welcome the UK-based uh, Connor and Jake, our UK experts, as today we are mainly focusing on uh, topics um, from the UK. But to start things off, Connor, Jake, how are you? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks, Nico. Um, good time to be doing a UK special. There's about a million different things going on uh, over here right now, and it's a crazy time, even for, for our country. So... We'll see how the next hour goes. Uh, if the green room chat beforehand was anything to go by, it could spiral out of control uh, at any moment. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Quite right, Jake. We better keep an eye on the background, see if there's any breaking news while we're on here. Um, but even if there isn't, there's lots to discuss. We've had a very busy week here. How are you, Nico? Good to see you. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. And uh, as you all know, uh, Germany is now hosting the most beloved couple, the Sussex, uh, Sussexes, um, from from the UK. So as of now, we are giving them shelter. So all good. <laughs> That's good to be. So um, as as said, we have uh, we have uh, quite some interesting um, topics uh, to to cover. And once again, shout out and thank you to our uh, to our sponsors of Playson and Simpler. Who actually make this um, this nice session uh, possible? To be honest, I recovered from from last week um, special US special. I was always thinking in my own approach. Okay, Nico, you're getting along in the US. You know what people are talking about. And then Ryan literally uh, showed me my place with all his knowledge i was just like okay nico you have absolutely no clue about the us as soon as it comes to the details so once again shout out to our mystical us guy uh ryan and uh, especially with the nfl starting uh today kicking off the season i'm pretty sure we will not run out of topics uh, which are US-based, and uh, based on the feedback we also got uh, from each and everyone um, as well from the audience, we, we will do a US special um, one, once again. So once again, uh, shout out and thank you to uh, to Ryan. What has your take been, Jake, from last week? Yeah, last week's show was awesome, um, and it's worth pointing out while we're on the subject, Nico, that Ryan's actually going to be hosting a, a brand new Twitter Spaces show as well as part of our gaming next called Next America, uh, which is due to go out on Wednesdays. I think he did the first one yesterday. Um, I'll be joining him on it next week. And then after that, he's hoping to get a, a special guest on every week and take questions from listeners as well. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get involved in Twitter Spaces as well as LinkedIn broadcasts and, uh, and everything else. There we go. Looking awesome. So to start things off, like regular, like each and every week, I'm just trying to cover at least 10 topics within a time span of five minutes. First of all, uh, sorry to each and everybody um, listening to it. I usually don't die during this uh, little wrap up. So don't, uh, 
don't be confused. I'm, I literally have to pace myself, slow things down uh, to cover uh, these 10 topics. But um, as soon as the countdown kicks off, I will just start with, um, with wrapping up um, 10, 10 topics, um, which we don't touch down uh, during our uh, breaking news and uh, UK special as well. So as soon as the countdown starts, I will just start with the, with the 10 topics. Good luck, Nico. <laughs> ah, there we go. So, start. We're on a global tour, starting in um, in Australia. Once again, the police uncovers a scheme. Um, as of now, it's a um, four point seven Australian dollar money laundering scheme at a Melbourne gaming avenue, uh, uh, sorry, gaming venue. The Australian Federal Police made the arrests. So they arrested three persons after it was alleged that paying patrons were made to sign over their winning checks from electronic gaming machines. So writing a check seems to be not just usual in the US, but also in Australia. And we will touch down on that specific uh, topic later on as well. So the police alleged that the scheme saw punters paid in cash if they handed over their winning checks, which would then be issued in the name of the syndicate member. And we have three members who are arrested. And then this would later be deposited into a bank account and attributed as a legitimate gambling winnings. Bet365 launched their mobile sports betting in Colorado, its second U.S. state, as already stated last week and touched a little bit last week. So this launch is set to strengthen Bet365's footprint in the North American market, making it just the second U.S. state Bet365 actually enters. Um, the company now becomes or has become the 27th operator to go live in the state. Bet365 has a North American presence already in Ontario. We spoke about Ontario numbers a couple of weeks ago. Canada, and it is seeking to further grow in the U.S. by having applied for a license in Ohio as well. M&A. Cambi takes another important step with the 38.5 million shape games transaction. So Cambi has uh, elaborated on another important step regarding the group's continued globing charge after acquiring shape games for an upfront consideration of 38.5. And the overall deal can become up to 78 million dollars, uh, sorry, million euros, all paid in cash. Um, staying on the M&A topic, LifeScore Group secured a 50 million pound investment from Ringier AG at a 500 million pound evaluation. Um, so the 50 million uh, pound ca cash injection will be used to scale up LifeScore's flagship portfolio of brands uh, of live scores, live score bet, and virgin bet across new and established markets, and will be supported by the newly former Ringier Group's media group. <clears throat> Better G, sorry, Better G scores a million euro cash injection from our friends and cap venture capital firm, the YOLO Investment. 
The content uh, automation and personalization provider Betagy has partnered up with venture capital firm YOLO Investment to drive the new stage of its global expansion. Although deals, uh, sorry, numbers have not been released, YOLO will take a non-controlling stake in the firm and um, the overall investment should uh, capital injection was somewhere in excess of 5 million euros. Then touch, going over to the, uh, to the US, ADA expects a record of 64.6 million in Americans to bet on the NFL 2022 season. So according to the American Gaming Association Group, 46.6 uh, bettors, um, which is or representing a 3 year-over-year -year increase will be or uh, think about betting on the NFL uh, season. As of now and as of today, since the Supreme Court struck down the federal wagering ban in May 2018, more than 30 states have opened at least one legal online or retail sports book. Today, more than half, 132 million Americans can legally wager in their home state and 18 million more um, than this time last year. And just staying on the U.S. topic, the Maryland Wagering Commission opens their mobile application process. So the Maryland Sports Wagering Application Review uh, Commission officially opened mobile sports betting applications this Tuesday, so the 6th of September, and now up to 60 mobile sports betting licenses will be available in Maryland, and applicants have 45 days to submit their applications. And the official deadline to do so is the 21st of October. Heading over to Massachusetts, more than 40 companies um, in intend to apply for sports betting license. So the Massachusetts Gaming Commission, MGC, has revealed that already 42 companies have completed a notice of intent to actually um, apply for li license. This is no binding or binding um, form, but at least we can estimate that uh, the big... Um, companies or 42 companies raised an interest. Heading over once again to Australia, Crown Melbourne faces a fine worth up to 100 million Australian dollars over their blank, blank check practice. So touching down on um, the first topic where we're seeing a money laundering uh, issue, Crown was found to have breached sex section 68 of the Casino Control Act by exchanging bank checks for gambling chips valued at the ve face value of um, the, the check. In addition, they also permitted patrons to exchange blank checks made payable to Crown in exchange for chips used to gamble at the Melbourne Casino. So once again, checks is, is still a big thing. And last but not least, finishing things off still in Australia, Netflix 
are exploring gambling and crypto ad spend ahead of a new subscription tier rollout just in Australia. So in Australia, Netflix um, will reduce the monthly fee by um, sending adverts and they already agreed on, okay, whatever adverts uh, we will use, we will not use this space for gambling and crypto ads. So these have been my 10 and 5. Heading over to the UK, folks. Well done, Nico. <laughs> yeah, good, good job, Nico. I've heard of Around the World in 80 Days, and you managed to do it there in about eight minutes, I think. So um, <laughs> congratulations. Get yourself a, a drink of water and get your breath back. <laughs> Pierre says on the comments as well, he can't join us today, unfortunately, but he said, will he make it in time? I'm so excited. Um, and the answer to that was no. But when you do, Nico, when you finally do do it within five minutes, it's going to be quite the cause for celebration, I think. The chat will go wild. <laughs> yeah, so should we move on to the UK and the key talking points for today's weekly news session? Um, a million things to talk about. New Prime Minister, obviously, in Liz Truss. Um, it's funny, I, I, I'm always reminded of the, the famous tweet that David Cameron put out in, in 2015. He's about three Prime Ministers ago now, where he said, Britain faces a simple and inescapable choice, stability and strong government with me, or chaos with Ed Miliband. And I don't know about you, Connor, but it feels like it's been pretty much constant chaos from, from that point onwards. <laughs> Well, um, yes, let's call it a mixed bag. Um, I mean, you know, they say that a week is a long time in politics, and I, I think it's never been truer than over the past seven days, Jake. As you mentioned, we've got a new Prime Minister in Liz Truss, who takes over from Boris Johnson after he recently resigned in disgrace following, I don't know, a long political career of what you might call sort of failing upwards, but right to the very top of British society. Um, so we now have Liz Truss and a lot of critics. Some people have been saying that Liz Truss isn't all that popular, but actually more than 80,000 people out of the UK's population of 67 million voted for her, um, giving her an approval rate of just over 0.1%. So that's all normal and good. Now, crucially for the gambling industry, we also have a new minister for the Department of Culture, Media and also Sport, the DCMS. And that me that ministry is one of those kind of odd jobs departments which ends up with all the grunt work that none of the other ministries want to do. And of course, one of those jobs is to oversee the UK's gambling industry. So the new minister for DCMS has been named as Michelle Donnellan, who is MP for Chippenham in Wiltshire, and she replaces Nadine Dorries in the role. Um, for those who remember, Dorries was one of Boris Johnson's kind of fiercely loyal bootlicker type characters who used to follow him around like a lost puppy before he resigned in disgrace. And um, now without wanting to make this discussion too political, I think it's fair to say that Dorries is widely regarded as an actual cretin. Um, this is the minister who once said after the Partygate scandal when Boris Johnson was caught breaking his own lockdown rules, that she would only resign from the cabinet if he, and I quote, went up and kicked a dog. So make of that what you will. Um, anyway, having supported Johnson through his every gaffe, every lie and every scandal, Doris is now set to receive a peerage in the House of Lords and become a dame. So again, that um, is both normal and good. 
Now, in respect, in that respect, it could well be good news that Donalyn is taking over at DCMS, although there is not very much yet to be said for her previous political and ministerial career. Um, she was previously appointed as the Education Secretary under Boris Johnson, and she lasted for 48 hours in that role. That would made her the shortest-serving cabinet official in parliamentary history. So we will see how long she lasts at DCMS. Um, she was appointed on Tuesday, so by the end of today, if she can cling on to that role, she will already have broken her own ministerial record and have lasted longer at the Department of Culture, Media and Sport than she did at the Department of Education. Now, of course, the appointment of Donnellan is very important for the gambling industry because she will be tasked with leading the government's review into the 2005 Gambling Act. Now, there's no official news on how this is going to pan out yet. Um, but one thing that's worth mentioning is that Liz Truss was appointed by Conservative Party members on the back of a campaign which was built on kind of small government, anti-nanny state, business positive sort of rhetoric, um, which suggests that her government might not want to impose particularly strict limits on the gambling industry and other industries. Uh, however, the new minister, Donnellan, has been a strong critic of the gambling industry in the past. For example, she backed the reduction of state limits on fixed odds betting terminals and um, backed a number of other measures aimed at restricting gambling advertising. So she hasn't been um, a particularly close friend to the industry in the past. She has referred to gambling as an issue which has destroyed far too many lives and as an industry which preys on the vulnerable, which, of course, is familiar rhetoric among anti-gambling lobbyists. Uh, so far, in terms of the industry's reaction to Donnellan's appointment, we have the Betting and Gaming Council made a statement. That's the trade association that represents most of Britain's largest gambling operators. Um, and the BGC has congratulated Donnellan on her appointment while reminding her that the gambling industry generates £4.5 billion in taxes for the Treasury and contributes £7.7 .7 billion to the economy in gross value added each year. Uh, Michael Duggar, the head of the BGC, said that we have been working extremely closely with the DCMS over many years to help the government find the right balance in the gambling review so that we can continue to drive big changes and higher standards on safer gambling to better protect the most vulnerable, whilst at the same time ensuring that the millions of people who enjoy an occasional flutter perfectly safely and responsibly have the freedom to do so. So time will tell what the uh, what the balance ends up being in the review of the Gambling Act. Now, I should point out that Damien Collins, MP, who was appointed as an undersecretary at DCMS in July this year as the so-called gambling minister, remains in that role, but it is not yet clear how long he will stay there for. So there you go. That's my overview. It's been a big week in the UK, but we've had no great revelations just yet um, for the gambling industry. I think only time will tell which way the balance tips in uh, the ongoing review of the Gambling Act. But before that comes to the fore, I think the government has some much bigger priorities on its plate at the moment, which I believe, Jake, you're going to give us some more information on. So, Jake, why don't you give us the lowdown on the government's first priorities? Yeah, I will definitely do that. But first, um, I think we should probably run a, a video from one of our sponsors just to say thanks to them. 
There we go. And thank you, Connor, for that really nice comprehensive roundup of uh, the political changes that have happened since, obviously, Liz Truss became Prime Minister and she's trying to kind of put together her own, own cabinet of politicians that are loyal to her and ministers and what that might mean for, for the Gambling Act review. Um, but like you said, there's probably no concrete conclusions we can draw um, right now. But I think, you know, before we zoom in again on the gambling sector, it probably makes sense to look a little bit at the macro uh, environment and what Liz has to deal with kind of in her first days in office, because it's not going to be an easy transition for her, to say the least. Um, she sort of officially became the prime minister when she met the Queen at Balmoral um, a couple of days ago. But breaking news today is that the Queen is actually um, really unwell at the moment, um, which is causing quite a lot of concern amongst politicians and other members of the royal family she's obviously 96 years old now um and i think most people in britain kind of have this assumption that she's gonna go on forever um she seems you know pretty infallible for the most part but noises coming out of of balmoral castle in scotland where she is at the moment is that it's actually quite a serious situation and other members of the royal family have kind of flocked there to be by her side so that's one thing to uh, to keep an eye on and will also just add to the turmoil for for Liz Truss if anything um but yeah back to her responsibilities I mean she, she sort of put three key priorities uh at the forefront of her first speech as the prime minister and that was um how she'd focus on tax cuts the energy crisis and also the NHS um which are huge issues for people in Britain at the moment. Um, obviously, the energy crisis has kind of become a lot worse due to uh, Russia's war in Ukraine and, and the gas sanctions that we've imposed on Russia as a result of that. Um, but Liz Truss has basically said she's going to cap household electricity bills at £2,500. Um, and there was quite a lot of fear uh, amongst people that they could go up to as close to £4,000, which would be impossible to pay for a lot of kind of the poorest and most vulnerable in society. Uh, it's interesting to see how the government have kind of said they're going to pay for this. So instead of taxing these energy companies that are going to make ludicrous profits in the billions of pounds, the government's actually going to pay the deficit um, that the consumers would have had to pay which obviously is good in the short term, but in the long term kind of just sees debt mount. Um, and we're a country already in an incredible amount of debt. And after all, that debt has to be repaid. And the people that tend to do that are the taxpayers. So it's kind of kicking the can down the line, so to speak. But it's good that there's some, uh, you know, there's some help there in in the short term, at least. And there's also going to be for UK businesses, which is a huge concern. There's talk of many restaurants and cafes and bars and pubs, everything going out of business simply because they just cannot afford to pay their energy bills. Um, costs have like more than tripled, I think, since, uh, I'm not sure, since last year or certainly before COVID. Um, and there's now a six-month plan to protect these businesses. Uh, whether six months is, is long enough remains to be seen. But again, good to have some relief um, in the short term, at least. But uh, moving on to um, kind of how this relates, you know, to, to the gambling industry, we kind of can't seem to get away from this, uh, this cost of living crisis, whether it be, um, you know, dis 
usually in the gambling industry, you think of discretionary spend from consumers, right? And how stakes are lower because people have less affordable income to spend on leisure activities. But something we don't always think of is how it affects employees within the gambling industry and the staff that actually work in our sector. Um, And that sort of came out to bear in in news this week where staff across um, ranked groups, Grosvenor Casino um, venues in London have, have all agreed to go on strike, basically. Um, they were offered kind of retention bonuses of between 600 and 800 pounds. And they said that's totally inadequate considering the uh, the cost of living crisis that's, that's happening in the UK. So um, they won't go into work this weekend, which could lead to, to closures at some pretty significant venues um, across London. But it's not just the casino sector. It's not just the betting sector. We've seen industrial action on, you know, a a really big scale across pretty much all industries in in the UK over the last six months or so. Um, Kind of starting with the rail networks, which led to a lot of traffic disruption, and that's set to continue for the foreseeable future. Uh, I think a Premier League match between Brighton and Crystal Palace actually got cancelled for the coming week, simply because there's going to be no public transport available to go to the game. So... There's a lot of knock-on effects from from this crisis, um, and they certainly seem to be kind of seeping into the gambling industry as well. I don't know if you guys want to sort of pick up there um, and and how else this might be impacting the sector, uh, maybe in Germany as well, Nico, if if, if something similar is happening over there. Um, so as of now, we didn't touch down on how it's actually affecting the gaming sector. <clears throat> as of now, we are um, uh, worried because the uh, costs of living with respect to um, prices for uh, electricity, etc., cetera, uh, they're not just uh, um, uh, tripled or quad- quadrupled. We are facing price increases of six, 700%. So as of now, uh, our politicians just agreed on um, how to actually help out um, people, which was, um, which was a speech just this, this morning. And as of now, there are plans going, uh, going on, or they are planning how to actually deal um, with a, uh, with a, sh- a shutdown, or uh, how do they actually uh, 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 call, call it? Um, and now I'm just just missing missing the word. So a uh, blackout. Sorry, they are f- probably facing a blackout due to the lack of electricity. Um, so um, in, in Germany, besides hosting the Sussexes in in uh, Düsseldorf, we are facing a real energy crisis um, upcoming in uh, November and December. So it might be a dark time in in Germany. Yeah, and Germany is obviously. Um, kind of a lot more reliant on Russia, I think, for its for its energy than than quite a few other European countries. So, yeah, it's no surprise that you're feeling the squeeze there. Um, I think. Sorry, actually, just before we proceed, we've got one more sponsor video um, which we'd like to run for you today. And we're back. Yes, of course. Thanks again to Place and, and Zimpler for making these weekly news broadcasts possible. Um, but yes, I think um, 
as you were both discussing just before that, this cost of living and energy crisis has the impact of it is being felt right across Europe. And um, with regards to the gambling sector, I think it's likely to be the land sector, which feels the impact of that first. You know, if you're running a casino, then the amount of electricity you need is, is, is obviously very, very high. And um, I think even, even in the rank groups, which I, I suppose is the largest casino operator in the UK, especially in terms of number of venues, um, even in their latest results in Q2, before this energy crisis had really taken off, I think that the, the energy the energy bills there had been increasing quite rapidly um, and had a, a big negative effect upon rank groups' bottom line. I haven't got the figures in front of me, but I know that it did have a serious impact on the business. Um, and as you mentioned, Jake, now it's not only affecting the business, um, but it's affecting the business's staff. And so... Not only might they be having to turn the lights off at some point, they're also going to face having nobody to uh, to run the show. So I think there's going to be very, very broad concern for the land-based sector, uh, especially in the UK. Um, but as you mentioned, Nico, right across Europe and right across all sorts of different markets. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Connor. And I think you're right, land-based will definitely feel the energy squeeze the, the most, but certainly the online sector is kind of not safe from this either. And also, I don't think scale is even relevant in this conversation. We've seen uh, Flutter's UK and Ireland team basically make you know quite substantial cutbacks across its, across its workforce because of the, uh, I think it cited the challenging external environment. Um, you know, they're obviously the biggest and, and arguably most successful um, operator in the UK and they're, they're still having to make cutbacks um, and a bit like the government they're also in a period of, of transition with uh, a brand new chief executive a guy called Ian Brown who had his um, his first day last week I think it was he takes over from Connor Grant who was um, really well thought of and had been at the business for a long time um, and it sounds as though Connor is going to kind of stick around during this transition period to uh, to help Ian kind of get to grips with 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 his the inner working of the business as he kind of visits the various teams in the UK across Leeds and Dublin and London and and elsewhere. Um, unlike Boris, who has probably had his straight off on his holidays, I would imagine, with his wife. <laughs> um, but yeah, so awful, obviously, that staff are, are kind of losing their positions as a result of this. Um, and, you know, we narrow in on the gambling industry, but like we've said, no sector is uh, is spared from, from this situation. So c- kind of commiserations and sympathies to anybody who knows anybody that, is, uh, that has been affected in, in a similar way. Silence. Who's going, who's going next? <laughs> yeah, it's you, Connor. It's a, it's a UK-based uh, topic. So you, you're, who else except you and, and Jay could, could uh, take us into more details? So what Fair is your enough. take on the uh, uh, Flutter UK and Ireland um, thing? Well, like, as Jake mentioned, there were a number of redundancies, um, I think, around a month ago, um, or perhaps slightly longer. And... Um, yeah, now the business is 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 heading in a new. Oh, certainly, its managerial team is heading in a new direction with the appointment of Ian Brown. Um, but as you said, Jake, I think kind of grant my namesakes. 
kind of time at the business is very, very highly regarded. He's very highly regarded within the industry. Um, and it was, I suppose, probably very reassuring to Flutter's shareholders to hear that he will be hanging on um, and helping to support Ian Brown through that transition phase. Um, and I would just like to point to the question that our illustrious leader, Pierre, has asked in the comments section, which is what happens to evolution? which is, of course, a very power-hungry operation running all sorts of um, live dealer studios right across the globe. Um, I don't know if we've had any comment from them on this most recent crisis um, or whether they put anything in their Q2 report, for example, but, of course, it will have a, a massive impact on any business which is reliant on, um, on sort of using large amounts of power to keep their business massive live studios yeah and possibly maybe we'll even see um evolution's ebitda rate dip from 68 percent to 67 or maybe even 66 who knows yeah they've got the balance sheet to uh, to deal with it i think um but yeah just moving back to flutter quickly the other interesting thing about this story is that flutter since the appointment of Peter Jackson, who was not involved in gambling as chief, as, as the chief executive, they've kind of gone with that approach in their separate teams as well. If you think of Amy Howe, who was obviously appointed at FanDuel, she had no kind of immediate gambling experience. And the same is true of the uh, the new chief executive of the UK and Ireland team, who comes from kind of e-commerce. And I think he was a chief executive of, of Booking.com and, and Rentalcars.com before that. So... I don't know, maybe it's reflective of uh, the way gambling is going and it's kind of shape-shifting into a kind of corporate technology um, industry, you know, certainly from uh, from an ESG and a, and a shareholder's perspective. Um, but, yeah, I just, I just thought that was interesting because while others obviously look for people who have really significant and substantial experience in running gambling operations, sometimes it's it's best to have a kind of outside pair of, pair of hands to come in and, and steady the ship. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Jake. And I think if you look at brands like Booking.com that have got really super strong brands, I don't know about you, but for me personally, that's my go-to for um, for the kind of service that they offer, you know, comparison of hotel rooms and accommodation across yeah, the world. Um, and obviously there's a lot that's, that's sort of is reflected in that in Flutter with its Paddy Power, um, Betfair, you know, really strong brand names in the UK and FanDuel, of course, just about the strongest brand name in US online gambling at the moment. So um, it will be interesting to see what, if any, serious changes come about as a result of that um, of that appointment. And I suppose it's reflective of the kind of revolving door almost that we've seen in recent months and recent years between gambling and other sectors. You know, we've got people like Shay Segev and Sandeep Tiku moving to, to businesses like DAZN and moving, kind of taking their gambling expertise into other non-endemic companies where they can use that knowledge. Um, and, of course, this is just the, the, the same thing happening in the opposite direction. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. <clears throat> so Go heading on, over to, to, uh, to another um, uh, topic... Uh, I'm pretty sure we, we just tackled um, uh, uh, Flutter because Camelot um, has decided to finally accept the all-win-win um, facing the um, UK 
um, lottery uh, sector. Um, so uh, Camelot has dropped its legal challenge against the Gambling Commission's decision to award the UK's next national lottery license to the Czech operator Allwin. Allwin, in turn, has agreed to waive all claims for costs or damages against the Camelot entity's appeal, uh, which is valued or could have cost roughly one billion pounds. Uh, last but not least, how all, however, not all obstacles for all win have been cleared because there is a separate appeal launched by the rival bidder and Camelot technology partner named International Game Technology, IGT, against this decision. Uh, and this decision is still pending. So, as already claimed so often, the overall race for the UK um lottery has still not yet been decided um connor what's your take on this topic as well yes it's not officially decided yet not officially confirmed um but it sounds sounds from your description nico as if um camelot and Orwin and the gambling commission found themselves in a kind of tarantino-esque mexican standoff and Camelot and Alwyn have decided that actually it's probably best to put a stop to this before we get in too deep. Um, so Alwyn obviously has taken a loss on that, on agreeing to waive the fees that they were kind of um, going back to, to, to Camelot with following their appeal. Um, but I think, you know, Camelot must have realised that this was a bit of a non-starter. I don't know what the original claim was in detail. I think it was essentially, um, they essentially said to the Gambling Commission, but how can you choose somebody else? We've always run the National Lottery, which is true, but it's not um, an argument in itself. There were, I think there were arguments that the, the, the selection process had been unfair in some way or that there had been some foul play somewhere along the line. But, of course, without any solid evidence to back that up, um, this case was obviously not worth pursuing at this time. I think it will be an interesting thing to witness when Alwyn does come in, um, especially for people like Jake and myself here in the UK who have sort of grown up with the National Lottery. We've always known um, the National Lottery and its products, which are, you know, just about the biggest products, gambling products in the UK. Um, it will be interesting to see if anything changes, if anything major changes uh, with regards to the product selection, um, pricing. I think there was a comment on pricing that tickets for the lotto draw were going to be reduced back from £2 to £1, um, which I suspect will be a positive thing. I think the £2 price point is a little bit off-putting for many people in a, in a lottery draw, whereas if it's just a quid, it's a lot easier for most people to justify. Um, so that could have a positive impact. Um, but it will be interesting to see which ways in which the products change. Um, because personally, I'm a big fan of the National Lottery's products as they are. Um, I think the app works really well. The instant win games are pretty good. Um, of course, lottery games, there's not much you can do with them to make them more exciting. They kind of are what they are. Um, but I like them as well. Actually, last week, oh my God, I nearly cried. I had I bought 
it was a hundred and I think it was a hundred and eighty-one million or a hundred and eight. It was a hundred and eight or hundred and ten million pound jackpot on the Euro Millions, and I bought four tickets. And across two of the tickets, I managed to get every single of the five numbers and two bonus balls. So I got no every single number required for the hundred and ten million jackpot. Uh, total winnings nine pounds ninety. <laughs> across two tickets. Yeah. I won about That's six quid on one and three quid on the other. Yeah. Oh, I was fuming. Well, it's better than going home with nothing, Connor. So <laughs> True enough, yourself yeah. with that. Yeah, but I spent £10 uh, on tickets, Jake, and <laughs> won £9.90 back. <laughs> As is always the way. But no, that was a nice summation of the, of the situation, I think, with the lottery. And um, I think Camelot's claim, like you said, uh, I think, it originally was because there were indications that they were going to continue as the license holder and they felt that the gambling commission kind of might have changed course very late on in the process and they basically wanted a demand or find out why that had occurred. Um, but yeah, they've, they've run the lottery ever since it was, it was created in 1994. Um, I think probably, you know, what's, what's happened here is that they realized it would be, a PR disaster pretty much to say there was a fair license tender process, which we didn't win. So therefore we disagree with it. So we're going to run it through the courts to a huge cost, time, money, energy to everybody else. Uh, not to mention the fact that would have potentially taken money away from good causes f- for a period, which is kind of what the national lottery operator usually hangs its hat on. Um, because I think if if this lawsuit would have continued um, to its conclusion, there would have been a situation where the National Lottery wouldn't have been able to run as a competition um, for at least a year. And that would have been kind of unthinkable for people that play it every week. I'm, I'm not sure how, you know, cultures differ in Europe, but certainly in the UK, people have kind of a recurring um, buy-in to the lottery every week without even thinking about it. They set up. Uh, like weekly transactions on their debit cards as standing orders and, and the money comes out in the hope that one day they'll uh, they'll get the winning numbers. Um, but yeah, uh, interested to hear what you, what you were saying, Connor, about innovation. How much can you really innovate the lottery? Um, I think you're right. They'll reduce prices, which is like pretty much a, a, a sort of vote winner, so to speak. Um, and I think... The other thing Camelot received a little bit of criticism for was towards the end, politicians were suggesting they were kind of focusing too much on the instant win games, uh, as obviously that's the major generator of revenue for for any operator, really. It's like it's like slots games and casino, but um, and they were kind of prioritising that over the actual experience of of buying a ticket to play the lottery, which is what the vast majority of consumers sort of sign on for in the first place. Um, so yeah, intrigued to see what Alwyn will do differently as you are. Um, and it's worth pointing out as well that Alwyn is kind of on the cusp of, of going, becoming a public company as part of this, uh, with this special purpose acquisition company in the U S cone, cone Robbins, I think it's called. Um, and they put out a release on, on, on this themselves that the SPAC did. And they said, um, you know, once this issue is kind of dealt with, um, it's really exciting for us that Alwyn can look into the $10 billion uh, US lottery market as well. So they have some pretty major aspirations kind of in the US as well as the UK. Um, 
obviously Alwyn is born from Sazco, which is a giant kind of Czech company and, and experienced lottery, lottery operator anyway. So, um, yeah, they intend to go global by the looks of it. Have you got any more details on that, Jake, on the spec merger? I think it's Cone and Robbins are, are two hugely successful um, US businessmen, as far as I know, and they created this this spec specifically for that purpose, specifically in order to take Alwyn public. So they've obviously got a huge amount of belief in the business. Um, I suppose the risk uh, for a business like that is that it can it can almost live or die on single contracts, which has so, have such enormous value. You know, the UK, the getting that UK. Um, fourth lottery license would have been a real watershed moment for Alwyn um, and will increase its value dramatically. Um, and as they, I suppose, if they try and use the public listing to move into US markets, it will be a question of which lotteries they're able to get their hands on. Of course, there are, I suppose, just about every state in the US has its own state lottery. And so it's a huge industry over there. Um, but what about the enterprise value, Jake? Have we got any any word on that? At what value Alwyn could be listed at in the US? Yeah, I think it's I think it's nine point three billion, so not not pocket change. Um, and I think Cone and Robbins, obviously, like you said, they're two kind of uh, very successful Goldman Sachs um, bankers, but they they already have uh, i think it's like 830 million of of cash in in trust um before before obviously sorting out this back with with Alwyn um so yeah they know what they're doing but i'm not sure when it's scheduled to complete i have a feeling it's by the end of this year but i i might be wrong um but no an exciting time for them and yeah i think the us lottery segment is kind of ripe for innovation as well so maybe we'll see them them uh, you know, integrate a few things there that they're going to do in the UK as well. Yeah. And we'll be interesting to see from an investor's perspective um, whether this latest in the series of gaming, US gaming SPAC mergers and public listings that we've seen um, does the same thing as many of the others have done, where especially European businesses uh, who've gone over to list in the US. I think we, we ran a piece in our hot copy segment, in our hot copy feature rather, a few weeks ago uh, on a piece from the Financial Times, which showed that lots of businesses who go from Europe to list in the US end up performing much worse um, in terms of enterprise value and share price than, than a lot of their competitors who are either homegrown US companies or who are European companies who choose to list closer to home. So we've seen companies like um, Supergroup, the Betway and Spin owner, uh, kind of go over to the US and list. I think they listed at about $10 a share and then would kind of drop down to something like $6 a share quite quickly. Um, so it will be interesting to see if Alwyn's able to book the trend. And for sure, it will be interesting to see if, uh, you know, all these allegations are now put to rest, uh, especially if the international game technology um, will also put down their appeal uh, to rest, probably to focus on, uh, as Jake mentioned, the, um, the US lotteries, because I'm pretty sure this is not the last battleground uh, where these two heavyweights will actually uh, face, face um, each other. And if the US lottery is also 
uh, you know, on the line, I'm pretty sure that Alwyn will face uh, Flutter once again. So, um, if there are no comments from uh, either one of you or uh, someone from um, from our um, highly appreciated listeners as well, we have one more thing um, to actually state. Uh, this is the upcoming event in, um, in Valletta, the iGaming Next Valletta, uh, taking place 27th to 29th of September. Uh, just, uh, you know, one, two, three, three more, uh, no, two, two, one, two, three, three more weeks. So we're all thrilled to see each and every one of you. And if I'm not mistaken, there's also uh, a special... Uh, special price still still left, so we still have seats available. Feel free uh, to join, not just um, the beauty, the the three beauties of us, but also to meet and greet all the movers and shakers of our industry who will be attending uh, this event. So just um, take the chance, and I'm pretty sure, as all of our C levels are uh, pretty open minded, they will for sure. Um, you know, answer your questions live and in person. And if you'd have the chance, just grab that chance. Definitely. And I think we, we should do a weekly news live with an audience, Nico, and uh, all of us and our viewers can go for a pina colada together after at one of the networking events. Exactly. Especially as the um, two of us had a nice pina colada at the Florida beaches, hosted by Ryan at a quite early <laughs> stage. But, um, you know, uh, it was fun sharing the stage with the uh, with the two of you, and um, yeah, once again, um, shout out to the audience and uh, fast recovery uh, to Pierre as well. Fingers crossed. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks, Nico. Thanks, Connor. Okay. And thanks, everyone. Bye. Else. Take care.